This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me now to the book of of, uh, Psalm 62. The 62nd Psalm, and we'll begin tonight. Again, I invite you out Sunday morning. Both service, we're still on our series of dominion. But tonight, we're talking about faith in the area of having favor with God. Now, the word expect means to look forward to something. How many in here right now are looking forward to something? Probably every one of us. I'm looking forward to something. And so what begins to happen with us as human beings, many of us go through life defeated, depressed. Some even uh, fail. Have the thought, I'm going to fail. And you know why? A lot of times it's what we expect. I expect this, and so this is what begins to happen. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so again, I, I got to begin to look at these things from, from God's sense of view, and there should become an expectation from me or within me. Psalm 62, verse 5. Now watch this verse. This is a good one. My soul waits silently for God alone. Now I'm reading, reading in the New King James. For my expectation or my hope is from you. Now, when I read that right there, it's like God is wanting me to have an expectation that comes from him. So how do I know what God's expectations are that he desires me to have? I start getting into the word of God. I start reading the Bible and I begin to look and say, wow, this is what God's desire for me. So if that's God's desire for me, if that's what his word says, then why don't I start expecting it? Why don't I start living by it? So go all the way to the back of the Bible, to the book of 3 John. You'll go to Hebrews, James, the Peters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. 3 John is only one chapter. 3 John. And we'll begin once you get there in verse 1. And I just want to begin to, to seed you with some stuff biblically tonight. That will cause you to start expecting some things. Verse 1, the elder to the beloved Gaius. Now, Gaius was a leader in a church in Asia, and he said, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray. I pray. Now, John's prayer here was not only sincere. I believe his prayer here is a model for me and you. So if John prayed this, why can't I pray this? So he goes, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so literally his prayer is is for every area of our lives, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And, And what you'll begin to see when I'm committed to the word of God, I'm committed to the dedication to live by the word of God or in line with God's word, this stuff is, becomes my expectation. So his prayer once again was, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prosper. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren, the believers, came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And so he, he's ecstatic because they are aligning themselves with the truth. Now here's a question for you. So what is the truth? 
The truth here is the word of God. So let's go back and let's put in the word of God in, in verses three and four. Every place where it says truth, let's just add the word of God and listen how this sounds. For I rejoiced greatly when my brethren came and testified of the word of God that is in you. Just as you walk in the word of God, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the word of God. And so when you begin to see what he's saying there, I can have an expectation because the word of God says so. And I begin to think in line with the word of God. Now, again, I'm not saying this from an arrogant standpoint, from a prideful standpoint. This is just what he prayed. So if John prayed this, what would happen if we begin to pray? Oh, I thank you today, Father God, that I prosper and be in health in all things as my soul prospers. Again, I just begin to align my words and my prayers up with the word of God. Turn back to your left, just, just a book or two to the book of James, chapter one. James chapter one. I'm going to move pretty quick. I got a long way to go. And so I had the tendencies to tell some stories that slowed me down. So I got to keep moving tonight. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness, evil, and overflow of, of wickedness. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. And receive with meekness or humility the implanted word of God. Now, when you see right there the, the word of God, he says it's got to be implanted. It really needs to get in your heart. And it's interesting, he said, that you receive the word of God. Now, that's how every one of us look at the word of God. I either receive it or I reject it. But something when begins to happen when I receive the word of God. And he said, the implanted word. You got to get it in you. Why is that so significant? Which is able to save your souls. Ooh, there's power in the word of God. There's such power in here that it's able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. And he's saying, not only obey the word, obey the message. And he says, because when you're only a hearer, you deceive yourself or you delude yourself into deception by reasoning. And so again, I, I can hear the word God all day long, but until I begin to act it or what I said earlier, when I begin to perform it, then it begins to go to work in me. Now, you can read verse 23 and 24 on your own. It's all very similar, this whole passage. But I want to go to verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. What's the perfect law of liberty? God's word. So let better yet, he says, but he who looks into the word of God. Now, get this. And continues in it. And continues in it. He didn't say you just hear it one time. You got to stay with it. Stick with it. Continue in it. Continue reading it. Continue speaking it. Continue meditating on it. And better yet, continue to do it. And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that's blessed. And who's the one who's blessed? The one that gets a hold of the word of God and continues in it day by day by day by day. Now, the word of God is, is more than just a doctrinal guide, uh, guidebook. Man, the word of God has the ability to set us free. It has the ability to lead us and guide us. Remember, Jesus said, man, doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, the only way you're going to make it spiritually is going to have to feed on the word of God. And so again, you've heard me say this, and I'll harp on it again tonight. You get into the word, and God will get into you. And stuff begins to happen. Now, go all the way back into the Old Testament to the 103rd Psalm. Psalm 103, and I'm going somewhere with all this. You said, I thought you were talking about favor. I am. It's taking me a little while to get here. Psalms 103. Now, when I read this psalm here, I want this to become your expectation. Let, let this soak in you, okay? This, this, is, this is such a powerful psalm right here. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, I bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, I want to highlight that. The New Living says, may I never forget the good things he does for me. And so he said, and forget not all my benefits. Now, oftentimes, we don't need to know that God's got benefits. But many of us in this room, you may be employed by a place that you say, Whoa, pastor, where I work, they got great benefits. I got incredible benefits. Well, you may have great benefits with them, but I'm just going to tell you tonight, they don't compare with the benefits that God has. I don't know if you understand this or not, but you want to get on God's benefit plan, okay? And so he tells us immediately, he says, don't forget my benefits. Don't forget it. Stick with it. Continue with them. Believe them and expect them. Now watch his benefits plans. Who forgives all your iniquities. The word forgives there means pardon. To relieve someone of burdens of their offense. I don't know about you. I'm glad he forgives me of all my iniquities. Thank the Lord. Who heals all your diseases. The Lord not only forgives iniquities. But he heals all your diseases. You may want to underline that. Verse 4. Who redeems you or buys you back or you redeems your life from destruction. Now, when I look at that right there, I want you to think in this sense. If Jesus wasn't in your life right now, how many of you know you would be destroyed right now? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank the Lord. I know in my own life, I was on the verge of either spending the rest of my life going to prison or I'd been dead. There's no doubt in my mind that was the road. And so when I read that, 
He redeemed, he bought me back from destruction. Now, not only did he redeem me from destruction, woo, how many of you can agree with this? He's blessed you. He's been really, really good to me. Man, he's been incredible to us. The last part of verse four. Who crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now the reason I'm highlighting that, because that passage right there, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, that is cross-reference to the one scripture that I told you you gotta get, Psalms 512, which says he blesses his righteous and his favor surrounds you like a shield. That's it right there. God blesses his righteous and his favor surrounds us like a shield. And so this is where I begin to cross into this and I begin to look and think, you know what God's favor is? He crowns me with goodness. He blesses me. Verse five, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I like that thought. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Now, when I begin to to look at all these in in verses 1 through 8, there's a myriad in here of favorable expectations. And remember, he said, don't forget my benefits. He forgives, he heals, he redeems. He puts goodness and mercy on us. He gives us physical strength. He brings us justice. He sets the press, goes free. And then in verse eight, he gives mercy. He's gracious. Thank God he's slow to anger. He's abounding in mercy. And and so when I begin to look at all these, I need to make this my expectation. He said, don't forget my benefit. Well, if he says, don't forget them, then there must be an expectation on this. So here's a little homework assignment for you. How many of you ever seen in your own life or other people, it's very easy to complain. And I believe when we begin to complain, it's because we don't expect the things of God. And so instead, I exchange my complaining for the blessings of God. So here's your homework assignment. I challenge you, and I, I encourage you to ask God to grace you to do this, to see if you can go one day without complaining. Maybe we ought to rewind that. It may be one hour, and that's not while you're asleep, that's while you're awake, okay? It's, it's crazy when, when I begin to think of this about how easy I, I can complain. And one of the affirmations I say over myself is I say, Father God, I'm grateful. I'm not a complainer. But these last few days, I can walk out early in the morning and I can say, I hate the wind. I, and again, what a way to start my day. The first thing is I'm complaining. It's too hot. It's too cold. I hate Mondays, I complain. And so again, when when I begin to look at this, 
If I'm not careful, my complaining becomes my expectation. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be a complainer. So what would happen if I begin to talk about God's benefit package? Ooh, I thank you today, Lord, you're gracious to me. You crown my year with loving kindness. Ooh, you're good to me, man. Lord, your, your, your anger is far from me. Thank you. And so again, he says, don't forget them. So something begins to happen where when I begin to meditate on the things that God told me, but also that becomes my expectation. I encourage you, read Psalm 103. Let that saturate, let that soak you. Now I'm going to have you go to one last passage, and this is where we're going to be the rest of the night. Go with me to the book of Ruth, chapter number one. Ruth, chapter one, okay, you're going to say, where is Ruth? Uh, you'll go through Joshua, the judges, and then Ruth, right before 1 Samuel. Now, Ruth is only four chapters. Ruth is one of two women that have books in the Bible. The other is a woman named Esther. I, I encourage you, read, read this entire book. And so... Let me, let me highlight a little bit about what's going on because it's obviously, I can't read all four chapters. So this woman named Ruth, she lived in an area called Moab. Moab was east of the Jordan River. If you were what was called a Moabite, you were immediately identified that the Moabites were ancestors of a, of a man named Lot who had an incest relationship with his two daughters. The Bible's crazy, some of the stuff in there. And so this woman named Ruth, she was a Moabite. Now the reason I wanna highlight, and I'm gonna highlight that several times, because if you were to say a Moabite, it told of possibly your past, it told about your culture. And so if you were from Moab, it would be like your past always defines your future. In Moab, you, you live in your past all the time. And so this woman named Ruth is a Moabite. Now, there was a family from Bethlehem that there was famine, and so they moved to the country of Moab. And this is where Ruth meets her husband, a, a guy named Malan. He had a brother named Chilion who married a woman named Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah. Quite some names, huh? So her mother-in-law was a woman named Naomi. They're all in Moab and Naomi's husband dies. Ruth's husband, Malan, he dies. And Oprah's husband, Chilion, he dies. Now, when they all start dying, you think, we're going to get the heck out of here. And so her life, this woman named Ruth, her life is identified not only now as a Moabite, but her life has trouble, tragedy, death, and destruction written all over it. And so the mother-in-law named Naomi says, I'm going back to Bethlehem. So for her to do that, she's got to cross back the Jordan River. This daughter-in-law named Ruth says, I'm going with you. 
So we pick up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And when it happened that they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was excited because of them, and the woman said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Now the word Naomi meant pleasant. She said, Uh uh-uh, uh, don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. The word Mara means bitterness. So literally right here, this woman says, call me bitterness. Wow. Now, how would you like to be? That's how you wanted to be identified. Don't ever take advice from a bitter person. And how many of you have figured this out? Bitter people want to make everybody else bitter. And so she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mar. Now listen this, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And so how many times does human nature, does it generally try to blame God for all our problems rather than our personal choices or our sin nature? God didn't tell her to go to Beth or or to, to Moab. They chose to do that. And so be very careful when life doesn't seem fair that you don't start blaming God. And so this is what she does. She blames God. Now listen to what she goes on to say in verse 21. I went out full, full of life, and the Lord has brought me home empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? And so she not only changed her name to express her bitterness, she lost sight of who God was and the resources and the opportunities God wanted to bless her with. Verse 22, so Naomi returned And Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now when you read that there with barley harvest, in the nation of Israel they harvest two times a year, in the spring and in the fall. Chapter 2, verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Imelech, His name was Boaz. Now, he had great wealth. He had economic prosperity. But when you begin to look at this, he had incredible social standing. He had incredible influence. And then I found another thing about him, that they believed Boaz in his younger days was an incredible warrior and fighter in Israel. And so again, this gives you an idea of this guy named Boaz. So Ruth the the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean. Please let me go to the field and glean. Now, gleaning is still a practice that is done in Israel to this day. And so to help you with the area of gleaning, you would have a field that would be shaped in a square. When they would go in to harvest it, within the square there would be a circle. 
they would harvest everything that was in the circle, but the squares on the outside, they were left for people to glean. Now, when you see the word glean there, that was a very degrading place to be in because it meant you were very poor, a very humbling place. Actually, when you study gleaning, this is Israel's welfare program. And you know what it literally says about this? You don't work, you don't eat. Point blank. And so right here, this woman says to her mother-in-law, please let me go to the field and glean. Now, I want to highlight something here. Too many times in our society, when someone's offered a job, they say, I, I don't want to do that. I, I want to start up here. I don't want to start down here. I want to be the manager. I want to be the CEO. But you get it backwards. See, you start down here and you prove yourself faithful and you work up. And so I look at this woman named Ruth and she says, just give me an opportunity. I want to work. Now watch verse 2. Let me go to the field and glean the heads of grain after him in whose sight, now listen to this, that I may find favor. Now this is how I come across this. You do a word study on favor and it takes me right in there. So her prayer was, let me go and whoever field I go to, I'm praying that I find favor. What was she needing favor for? She was needing favor for a job. That's a great one for us. Man, believe God for favor for a good job, even a better job. And so she said that I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Imelech. Now, when I saw there that it says, and she happened to come there, you know what it really highlights? It says the favor of God was working on Ruth's behalf. Something supernaturally led her to Boaz's life or to his field. She didn't have a clue who Boaz was. Verse 4. Now Boaz, or now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to his reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, and the Lord bless you. What a way to encourage each other. I mean, when you see someone and they look at you and, and they say, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Happy, fortunate, and to be envied is what the word blessings mean. Woo, it's, it's powerful to say, the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. Ooh, in Jesus' name, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants, who's in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. So again, when this reaper defines who she is, who does he say? She's the, Moab, she's the Moabite. In other words, she's got a past. 
She was, or he was trying to allow her past to identify her. And understand this, your past doesn't eliminate you from God. The culture you come at doesn't eliminate you from a blessing of God. God wants to bless every one of us in here. And so he goes on to say, and she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from this morning to now, though she rested a little while in his house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen to me, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, favor of God, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on my field, which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And so again, not only is he blessing her with the grain, he says, I'm going to protect you and you need water. Go get it. The favor of God. Now watch how this plays out here. Verse 10. So she fell on her face, bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? Back in verse 2, she said, may I find favor? This time she says, why have I found favor? She recognized the favor of God was upon her life. And she said, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Verse 13 says also, she asked again, she said, let me find favor. So I begin to look at all these things with this woman and something happens when we begin to ask God for favor in our lives. Remember the child, the Lord Jesus in Luke 2, 51 and 52, he said that he grew in, in, in favor with God. I believe we can believe all that. We can trust all that. And let me tell you the rest of the story of Ruth. Ruth finds the favor of God. She not only has food for her mother and her, her mother-in-law and herself, and they were on the verge of starving. She continually was able to get grain because of the favor of God. But then the story gets really wonderful. This guy named Boaz, he sees her heart. And he ends up marrying Ruth. They get married. They have a young boy. They name him Obed. Obed has a boy years later named Jesse, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Jesse years later has a son, better known as King David. And so if you were to go to Matthew 1 and see the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it comes through the bloodline of Ruth, a Moabite, a woman who had incredible past history, but yet because of her past and because of her failures and because she experienced in tragedy, destruction and all that happened to her, it didn't eliminate her and it won't eliminate you. And so a woman in dire times said, I need your favor. I need the favor of God and I need favor with man. And so again, 
Man, something happens when we begin to look at that and begin to expect that and say, Father God, I welcome your favor today. I welcome your favor today. That's what I love about the Bible. It takes people many times that the world is written off. And God favors them and blesses them. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.